Ruth and I were sound asleep. I mean, this is many years ago. And suddenly in the dead of night, we are awakened by our daughter Maria when she was really little, about four or five years old, coming into our bedroom, crying, sobbing, uh, just really upset. And we immediately wake up, try to console her. What's wrong? She began sharing things. She began talking about things. But the longer she talked, the less sense she made. And I'm saying, okay, let's, let's please, let's, let's back up, calm, remain calm. All this, you know, hugging her, reassuring her, but she's still not calming down. She's just really getting upset. And finally, after this went on for several minutes, I finally looked at her and then I looked at Ruth and I said, you know what the problem is here, Ruth? And she said, what? She goes, I said, Maria is sound asleep. She is sleepwalking. She is totally asleep. I ran into the bathroom. I got a towel towel and got it nice and cold water on it. And I put it on her face and suddenly she slowly uh, awakened and she said, ah, I feel better. I'm really tired. And she walked out, went back to bed. And that was all there was to it. You know, I I think some of us are in in the back of our mind kind of hoping that's what's going to happen to us. We're going to awaken and find out out the last two years has just been a really bad dream that we've been sleepwalking through all this. But the reality is we have not. It is real. We have understood that. And I want to talk to you because I think when we go through challenges and trials and difficulties, sometimes we can become numb to it. Sometimes we can get into kind of a same old, same old pattern. And it's time to break loose of those things. It's time to have a revolution of our hearts and our minds. Uh, And as we are going to return today to the glorious book of Acts. So we are, this is, I believe, message number 50. That's five zero of this Uh, series, and we have eight messages left, so we're going through the exciting conclusion of the book of Acts, which is a record of the early church. Started way back when, we we started in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus had been raised from the dead after giving his life sacrificially on the cross. He was resurrected, but before he ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples this encouragement. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the rest of the book of Acts is, a, is the travelogue, it's the story, it's the adventure of these early Christians uh, taking the good news. First in Jerusalem, 3,000 people come to know Jesus on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. And then they continue to move out into Samaria and finally to the ends of the earth. Uh, along the way, about the middle of the book of Acts, the, uh, a, a great persecutor of the church named Saul uh, was dragging Christians off to jail and overseeing them being put to death. And suddenly Jesus Christ, uh, the resurrected Lord, appeared to him on the road to Damascus. This is a revolutionary uh, moment. The apostle, uh, Saul becomes the apostle Paul, trusts in Jesus, his life is transformed, and now he's on a mission. And he is on a mission to bring the good news that Jesus is real, Jesus is God, Jesus is raised from the dead, and Jesus 
if you trust in him, can forgive you and give you everlasting life. And that message burned in his soul. He wanted to get it out to as many people as he possibly could. And so we've walked through not one, not two, but three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. And we come now to the end of the third missionary journey. And he's heading back to Jerusalem. And things are really going to speed up at this point, And it's eventually going to land him in the center of the Roman Empire, the great city of Rome, which was always the apostles' desire. So come with me, turn with me to Acts chapter 21. We left uh, the apostle Paul at, at Acts chapter 20 where he had met um, with the uh, uh, elders from the church of Ephesus at Miletus, and he had commissioned them. He had told them, I'm going to Jerusalem. I know that difficulties and sufferings and chains await me, but I consider my life worth nothing if I can just testify to the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was a man on a mission. And we're starting this series today, last the next few weeks, called Whatever It Takes. And I hope that this series, uh, as we conclude the book of Acts, will stir in your heart a new enthusiasm, a new hope, a new uh, expectation of what God can do in you and also through you to advance his cause. And we're going to see in the life of the Apostle Paul a whatever-it-takes attitude to do what Jesus has called us to do and to become the people Jesus wants us to be, whatever it takes. All right, he is on his way to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit has directed the Apostle Paul to do so. He is taking some aid that has been given, uh, financial aid that has been given by the other churches to the church at Jerusalem. This is also going to have a unifying effect because it's going to bring Gentiles and Jewish Christians together, uh, this gift is, and he ultimately longs to get to Rome, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, that phrase signifies an intense devotion to a cause. Uh, it, it is, I will do whatever is necessary to accomplish this goal. Maybe you've had a project. Maybe you had a degree you pursued. Maybe you wanted to raise a family. Whatever it was, and you're saying, I'm going to do whatever it takes uh, to fulfill what I believe God's calling me to do. And that's the kind of passion that we're going to need to emerge, not to go back to normal, but as I've been saying, forward to amazing. We're not there at amazing yet, but we're going forward to amazing. All right, let's look at the first principle I want to give to you is that if we're going to do whatever it takes, we're going to have that spirit of enthusiasm and, and, and passion. We're going to have to know God's purpose. Where are we heading? What, what are we doing exactly? And the writer, Luke, picks it up in verse 1. He says, after we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail straight for Kos, the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail after we sighted Cyprus, an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre, which is north of Israel. And since, he says, since the ship was to unload its cargo there. So just real quick, refresh our memories. Here's a map. Uh, this is his, uh, he's on this third missionary journey. You know he's gone to Corinth, Athens, Philippi. And he, we, we left him off a few weeks ago before Christmas at Miletus. And then he leaves and he just 
uh, they just narrates that they go to Patara and then they go south of this is Cyprus and then on to Tyre and then they eventually make their way down to Jerusalem. Uh, and you read this sometimes in your Bible and you're like, well, why are we getting a travel log here? Why are we just getting the names? And this is what, these are passages of the Bible that are just kind of hard. They're kind of snoozers. And it's like, wake up. Okay, hey, it's brief here, um, but it's more than what it appears. Uh, the Apostle Paul is not on a Mediterranean cruise. He is a man on a mission. He's not visiting nice, beautiful sites, although they are beautiful in the Mediterranean. And, and, and you read some of the things that happen, it seems rather ordinary. You know, a list of cities, you're going on a ship to various ports, uh, you're unloading cargo now at that one point because they had to do that at Tyre. But all of these things, the very fact that he was heading back toward Jerusalem reveals that he's a man with a purpose. He, the practical steps that he took showed that he was following what God called him to do. And let's face it, guys, a lot of life is just average, ordinary days. We, we drive, we go to work, we pick up kids from school, we, we, we go to the grocery store. But there's an overarching purpose, and that's following Jesus in whatever he calls us to do. And that's the one we have to remember in our mind to know God's purpose. And every movement that happens in our lives, every, uh, every moment of our lives is under the providence of God. Guys, there truly is, truly is an invisible hand that guides our lives every moment. We don't need to over-spiritualize every moment of our lives and, and, and make too much of it. But there's no substitute for a confident knowledge that God is in control and that the Lord has a purpose for my life. And I don't know what you've gone through the last couple of years or decade or whatever, but I hope that you are able to look back and begin to trace the providence of God directing your steps. Where you are today is not an accident. Where you are today is under the sovereign providence of God who is all-knowing, all-good, all-holy, and he has a purpose for your life. Now, what is that purpose? Well, the Apostle Paul had a very clearly directed divine purpose. Jesus was, uh, appeared to him on the Damascus Road, and he said, you are my chosen instrument to take the good news to the Gentiles, and I will show you how much you must suffer for my name. So he knew from the very beginning that he was gonna be a man on the move, going to lots of different places, and that it was going to entail some intense uh, difficulty and challenges along the way. The Apostle Paul had a very unique purpose. We understand that. No one is quite like the Apostle Paul. But at the center of that purpose is a message, and it's the gospel. It's the message of Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who took on human flesh that very first Christmas, grew up, uh, and then began and launched a public ministry. He never once sinned. He did amazing miracles. He taught amazing things about the kingdom of God. He raised the dead. He cared for the outcasts. He forgave people who had messed up their lives, and he called people to trust him and to follow him. And ultimately, he went to a cross which we will remember in just a few moments. He went to a cross, on that cross, to die for our sins, to take the penalty for sin that we deserve, the death penalty. 
And then death could not hold him. After taking on the punishment for our sins, he was gloriously raised on the third day and he reigns as Lord. Jesus is Lord. And in all of us who call Jesus Lord, all of us, our lives are centered around the purpose, really two purposes, and that is to have that gospel and the God of that gospel to transform us from the inside out, and then to also see God use us to love and influence our neighbors. First, within the body of Christ itself, being an, uh, an example of what a loving community can be, and then beyond that, to the people in Des Moines and to the ends of the earth. So that's our purpose. You're saying, well, I'm not an apostle. No, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, perhaps cleverly disguised as a machine operator or as a school teacher or a nurse or a stay-at-home parent or whatever it might be. But still at the center of it all is the good news of Jesus and it transforms you and your life. And I, I just really want to drive that home because in, in, in the chaos of everything that's happened, uh, I think sometimes what gets obscured is the simple purpose of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That needs to be our driving force. We need to be people, men and women and children on the move ourselves with that purpose in our hearts. So I, I really hope that today that will penetrate your heart in a big way. And what you're really doing here, what, what the apostle is doing here is kind of, and what we are called to do is kind of backwards planning. And that is we know the end. And so we know that end, this transformation of ourselves to be like Jesus Christ and, and ultimately for him to reign upon the earth. We know the end. And so knowing that end, we plan backwards from that. We're not aimlessly saying, well, what's going to happen? I wonder what's going to happen. No, we know. But then we begin to align our lives and our hearts and our minds with that end in mind. And this is where the Apostle Paul is such a wonderful example to us. So my question for you is uh, lately, have you just been kind of, kind of meandering through life, forgetting that purpose, maybe kind of sleepwalking as it were? Or are you laser focused and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to have him transform me and I want to be used of him to love and impact other people around me. That is God's purpose for your life. And which of, of those is, it reveals kind of your passion right now. But what are you pursuing that purpose? Okay, that's the first principle. It's very important. Second principle is remember your calling. Here is we go from a kind of a general purpose to the God's specific calling on your life and on my life. So let's, let's read about this. We got the purpose now, the calling that kind of gets lived out under that grand purpose. Verse four, we sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. And through the spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Just a moment here. So he is a man on the move, but he pauses. He's, he's not a, a, a workaholic. He doesn't, he doesn't overdo it. There are moments to pause, to be refreshed, to take a break, to be replenished, restored, rejuvenated. To pause is not to stop. To pause is simply to rest. So he spends a week gets a little refreshment, a little spiritual refreshment. While he's there with those early disciples, it says, through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So they have this kind of uh, foreshadowing, if you will, of what's going to happen, what's going to come down in Jerusalem. And they're all 
very concerned about this and because they love the Apostle Paul. They say, please don't go to Jerusalem because we know bad things are going to happen to you there. That's why they're pleading with him. And they just had this kind of impression from the Holy Spirit that's what was going to happen. But verse 5, pick it up. When our time had come to an end, there's a time to rest and then there's a time to move forward. And that's what this was. It's time to move forward. We left to continue our journey. The people there stayed there, but we left to continue our journey. So everybody's got a different, some people stay there and some people go. Uh, He went to continue the journey while all of them with their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. This is a very tender scene here. It says, after kneeling down on the beach to pray, can you imagine the scene here? All of these, these early disciples on the beach, on this Mediterranean spot, this beautiful, this, this beautiful place. And um, they prayed together. And mind you, it's a very tender scene, but there's, they'd only known them for a week. But when you have brothers and sisters in Christ and you really have the Holy Spirit in common, it is amazing for people you've never even met how quickly the bond and connection can happen because we belong to Christ. There's something about our brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever they are, that can bind us together. And then he said, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship and they returned home. So remember your calling. And we don't have a lot here that tells us this, but Paul was on a mission. There was time to rest. There was time to pause. But he didn't forget that he was heading someplace. It would have been easy for him to say, yeah, you know, that Jerusalem's going to be pretty rough. I guess I will listen to you and just stay here. But he knew that Jesus had called him to do that. At the same time, they didn't get on the ship. They didn't go with him. It says they returned home. And it doesn't say after that, these lousy second-rate Christians who just returned home and didn't go on to Jerusalem with the Apostle Paul. No, he had something for them to do in that city, and they were loving one another, and they were pursuing Jesus, and they were making a difference in their community. So they had different callings. One was to stay there. The the calling for the Apostle was to move on. Um, I love it because sometimes you need to maybe take a little bit of a pause, spiritually, emotionally, physically. If we're not careful, we can get this, this, I call it get there-itis. It's like uh, these pilots, um, you know, like a helicopter pilot or or an airplane pilot who maybe doesn't really have the full experience, but he's got to get there. And the storms are coming and, 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 and a lot of experience, you know, maybe that's, you know, and he's just got to get there. And sometimes that causes a great harm. So maybe God's calling you through this to just refresh. Doesn't have to be forever, but take some time to be refreshed and then pursue the calling that God has. And then for others, it's like, yeah, I, 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 I right now I need to, to pursue what God's called me to do. He kept on track. He didn't forget his purpose. Now the Holy Spirit revealed coming troubles to him and the disciples in, in this city d- d- interpreted that as, don't go, Paul. But for the apostle Paul, this just confirmed what he had sensed from the Holy Spirit and what Jesus himself had told him. He had said to the elders at, the, uh, at Miletus, the church of Ephesus, he says, I know that in every city uh, that uh, 
prison and hardships and difficulties and change await me. But I'm going to get to Jerusalem because that's what God wants me to do. And so he kept pursuing that. And God bless him for loving him. But he interpreted it differently because he had a, 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 a message and a purpose that he had given to him from Jesus. So all of us have different callings. You know, it, it's like, uh, if, okay, take weightlifting. If you walk me into a, um, into a weight room and say, okay, there you go. There's 300 pounds. Uh, p- pick it up. It's like, it's not going to happen. But there's somebody that they can do it. That's, that's not what my, I'm called to do. And I can't do it. I don't have, the, I don't have that call. I don't have that ability. I know, but there's somebody else, maybe with greater capacity, that needs to do something different than I am. And I've got my own stuff to do that maybe they can't do. They can't, I can't lift that weight. Maybe I can lift some, some other kind of weight. This is a very powerful section here. And I just want to say to you a couple of things. First, pursue God's calling. Remember God's calling. Maybe in everything that's happened, you've forgotten a little bit. Wait a minute, I'm calling you to this. Um, and that calling doesn't, ha- I mean, it could be a lot of things. Uh, to be that person of integrity at your workplace. To stay up with sick kids and help parent them and love them and, and give them a home that they will treasure for the rest of their lives. That's a pretty big calling. And maybe it's a calling to, to, to serve in some capacity. There's many aspects to that, but I just want you to think about it. I want you to, to, to say there are, there are some times when we, we pursue something and we get maybe foolish about it or we get stubborn about it or we get selfish about it or it's really just not biblical or it's unscriptural uh, or we become unteachable that no one can ever tell us what to do because we know better. That, that's not that kind of humble heart that God's going to use. So it is good to listen to counsel. Uh, the Apostle Paul listened to them. He, he understood that, but he also understood a bigger picture than they did. But I really want to encourage you to just remember your calling to be, to be uh, a lover of God, to love the neighbors around you, to be open to God's direction in your life, to, uh, to be teachable. Some people, and I've experienced this in my own life, there are some people that will not understand you. Maybe they don't know Christ. They will not understand selfless devotion to Jesus. And so they will always interpret whatever you're doing as wrong and foolhardy and short-sighted or whatever. But I want to encourage you today, remember the calling that you have from God to follow Jesus and do that in the specific season of life he has you in right now. For the moment, that may change, but just follow Jesus in that. So how do you know specifically? Well, I got, I got some uh, simple uh, kind of idea here. Uh, first, pay attention. Look around. What's God done in you? What's God doing around you? Look where God is at work. Pay attention to the scriptures. Pay attention. Have your eyes wide open to opportunities. Just pay attention. So important. Pay attention. And then, secondly, do what you know is right. Now, notice I didn't say do what you feel is right. Do what you know is right. What does the scripture tell you to do in this situation? What does Jesus lead you to do? Do what you know is right. Now, you're paying attention, what's going on around you. Then you do what you know is right. Third step, you pay attention. And fourth step is you do 
what you know is right. So you just keep doing this. You, you're learning the scriptures. You're applying them to your life. You're paying attention to what God is doing in your life and in other people's lives. And you just keep doing this over and over again, basically for your whole life. And you'll discover specific calling that God has on your life as you pay attention, do what you know is right. And what happens is as you actually do what you know is right, God reveals more light to you. If you don't do what you know is right, then you're in darkness and you're lost. But if you do what you know is right, then God gives more light. You pay attention to that more light he gives to you. And then you do what you know is right. And on and on it goes. It, we, we overcomplicate it sometimes, but I think this is a very a simple and straightforward way to, to live your life. Pay attention. Do what you know is right. Rinse Repeat. Okay, here we go. Principle number uh, three here. Connect with builders. Connect with uh, builders. Um, he says, when we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. So they're meeting up with more believers in Jesus. Uh, and, and Jerusalem is getting closer now. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist. Now we had met him uh, uh, in Acts chapter 8. Uh, this incredible man of God. And uh, he, he led an, uh, an Ethiopian leader to, to faith in Jesus Christ. You remember that story perhaps. So this is an incredible man of God. And it says he was one of the seven. Earlier in Acts chapter 6, he had been chosen out of all the people in the Jerusalem church to lead a practical ministry to those who were hurting and, and needed food. So this guy was a gifted guy. I mean, he had the practical side of ministry and was able to serve, but he also had the ability to communicate the good news of Jesus. And he became a major leader. Here he is in Caesarea. They meet up with him uh, and they stayed with him. So what I'm saying here in this, the principle here is connect with builders. Anytime, listen, anytime you have an opportunity to connect with someone who is a builder, who serves others, who loves others, who shares their faith. And by the way, we're going to have an incredible opportunity this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Valley Community Center to sh learn how to share our faith in the 21st century. Please, please take advantage of that. We mentioned that last week, 11 a.m. Valley Community Center, show up. You don't have to sign up, just show up. It's gonna be incredible uh, to how to share your faith in the 21st century. It's complicated perhaps, but we wanna decomplicate it and give you tools and just a way to do this naturally that fits your uh, vibe, that fits your personality, and that fits uh, your, where you are right now in life, in your season of life. And then it says this man, Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So this was unusual. <laughs> That's why it gets mentioned here. This guy had uh, four virgin daughters who prophesied. Uh, we kind of sometimes make uh, prophesying. It sounds kind of spooky and everything. Actually, it's kind of straightforward. It's an, I believe it's an extremely common gift. Uh, in fact, it happens all the time in the church, even if we don't call it prophesying. Because the Apostle Paul says, what is prophesying? In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, he says, uh, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. To strengthen people, to strengthen their faith, to build them up, to make them stronger and follow Jesus, to encourage them. Maybe they're down. Maybe they need an add a boy, add a girl, whatever it might be. Maybe it's some truth that needs to be spoken into. Keep going strong with Jesus, whatever. And then consolation is comfort. It's like you're going through a hard time. These are folks that have a real gift of just, it's not preaching. It's just a gift of being able to say the, just the right thing 
at just the right time, rooted in the Word of God, but maybe a more practical or a more specific way of relating it to the people that need to hear it. This happens all, I believe, all the time in, in the church, and there's people probably in your life group, they're just that kind of person. They just have an ability to say the right thing at just the right time and speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So you know what? We need godly women. We need godly men to speak into the hearts of God's people and in, in, in various ways to make a huge difference. And so connect with people like that. In all the, the, the chaos and polarization and, and nastiness, I want to encourage you to connect with builders who are going someplace positive. Let me just really quickly say, what's the difference between an ordinary person, a normal person, and a true builder? Well, ordinary people you meet in culture, um, they, uh, they, they, uh, they negatively tear down. They just join in with the, you know, whatever everybody's saying, and social media is filled with that. Uh, the the uh, builders positively build up. Uh, ordinary people just parrot the culture. They get in their echo chamber and they just say whatever they hear and just keep spouting off whatever they hear. They've locked in. They, they don't, they're not listeners. They're not learning from God. They're just parroting whatever the latest they've heard from their favorite news cycle, podcast, whatever. And it's not necessarily rooted in the word of God. But a builder is saturated in Jesus' word. They're not spending so much time digging into the, the latest and the greatest on wherever it is. But they're digging into God's word. They're following Jesus. They're saturated in the word of God. Uh, uh, ordinary people gossip. They'd like to talk about people. Whereas builders love to talk to people in ways that encourage them, build them up, console them, make a difference in their life. Ordinary people hold grudges. They're mad. They, have, they, they cancel people left and right. Uh, builders forgive freely because Jesus has forgiven us freely. Uh, ordinary people chase authority. They want position, power. They're selfish. Uh, whereas builders serve humbly. They're like, just put me in. And I don't need to have this position or whatever. I just want to serve God in whatever way he's called me to do that. Uh, ordinary people focus on themselves. It's all about me. Whereas builders uh, um, strengthen other people. Their, their mission in life is really build up others. Uh, ordinary people make excuses for stuff, why not, stuff's not happening, whereas builders make a difference. Uh, oftentimes, ordinary people make situations worse by what they say and what they do and what they feel and how they act, whereas builders who follow Jesus attempt to make it better. They're, they're looking to not be part of the problem, but part of the solution. And then finally, ordinary people complain about all the problems around them, Builders find godly solutions if they can. So, um, so you look forward to 2022. I saw this, uh, this little cartoon. It says, aren't you terrified of what 2022 could be like? Everything is so messed up. And the other says, I think it will bring flowers. Yes, why? Because I'm planting flowers. You're going to reap what you sow. And the people around you, the company you keep, Makes, has a huge influence on the kind of person that you're going to become. And some people can't wait till spring to get flowers here. So I saw these people, they just painted the flowers on the snow and just said, hey, let's start now. Maybe you can do that. And start connecting with builders who build people up. Away with the uh, caustic negativity. And now let's be passionate, joyful, truthful, faithful followers of Jesus. Principle number four, be ready to sacrifice. Uh, after we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus, um, 
That sounds like an Iowa transportation company, Agabus, but it's, it's just a, a man of God. And he came down from Judea, so it's not Judean Greyhound here, it's, it's just, it's his name. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied, took his belt off, tied his own feet, that is Agabus' own feet, and tied his own feet, and it says, this is what the Holy Spirit says, in this way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. So he's warning him. And when we heard this, that's Luke and company, both we and the local people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem because they're interpreting that these bad things are going to happen, therefore you should not go. Paul replied, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. I know it's hard for you to see me go toward that, but what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. This man, here's the principle, principle number four, be ready to sacrifice. What an incredible example to us. Most of us are not going to be called to give our lives for the cause of Christ, but this man is a tremendous example. And yes, they were concerned for him, and some people will not understand. They, they had the right message. He was going to suffer. He was going to be uh, it was going to be difficult. But he says, it's okay. Thank you for telling me that. That just confirms what I already knew. But Jesus had, has a mission for me. And so he relentlessly said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Verse 14, since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. The Lord's will be done. Um, eventually they came around to say, you know what? This is just what God has for Paul. And we want to protect him but he needs to follow Jesus. And they just surrender that to the Lord. They says, okay, the Lord's will be done. I love that they, 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 took a, they, they took a bold step and that they were courageous and they loved Jesus enough to let him go. And that's a really tough thing. Be ready to sacrifice. They were sacrificing what they felt was their friend. And Paul was saying, I'm ready to sacrifice my life if necessary. These are both incredible examples. And for many of us, I just you know, ask you a question. You know, th that's very dramatic. You know, I'm ready to die for the Lord Jesus. And he was. But for a lot of us, maybe we say, you know, I'd be ready. I'd be prepared to die. I'd be ready for, to sacrifice for Jesus, uh, whatever it takes, I'm ready to do that. Just don't ask me to, to serve in nursery. <laughs> don't ask me to, you know, uh, volunteer for this difficult task or, or fairly simple task. Don't, don't ask me to drive somewhere when it's cold to, to go to someplace where something great could happen in the name of the Lord Jesus. Don't, don't ask me to love somebody who's not like me. Don't ask me to build a bridge to somebody who is much different than I am, socioeconomically, racially, ethnically, whatever it might be. Don't ask me to do something hard like forgive somebody. Um, I'm ready to die, but I'm just not ready to do that other things. And so I, I think sometimes, uh, usually we aren't asked for the big sacrifice. We're asked for a lot of small sacrifices, and, and I am too. So I just encourage you as we come to the Lord's table in just a moment um, to search your own heart and say, is God calling you to sacrifice? Last principle. Um, you see, God was writing a bigger story, and that's what we discover. Principle number five, discover the bigger story. They said, the Lord's will be done. And it says, after this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to stay. So they've made their way and all the way. The map here shows that they made it all the way now down their back at Jerusalem. The story will unfold next week there. But 
this is a man who inspired many people. He didn't go alone to Jerusalem. There were other people who say, we're going with you. And they were called to do so. Other people remained back and they prayed for him. They encouraged him. Um, but all this story here, just Paul's actions and his attitude and his whatever it takes mentality spurs me on. I hope spurs you on to do something great, to expect great things of God in 2022 and to attempt great things of God in 2022, to live beyond ourselves, to lay down our personal desires for the cause of Jesus transforming us and the cause of Jesus transforming through us many other people. How about you today? Is it whatever it takes? I hope so. I don't want to sleepwalk through life. I want to say whatever it takes. And on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup, or he took the bread, he gave thanks, he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Whatever it takes, he was willing to do. He gave it to his disciples and he said, do this, eat this, take this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Father in heaven, thank you that as each one of us partakes of the bread and the cup, if we're followers of Jesus, that we would remember the amazing sacrifice you made and that that would spur us on to do whatever it takes to see Jesus formed in us and also Jesus shared with others. And everybody agreed and said, amen, amen. God bless you all.